if you live 30 miles away from your office, <laughs> I probably wouldn't recommend it. This podcast is brought to you by Brad's Deals, a team of real people dedicated to helping consumers. In this episode, we talk to Mike Ahini. He is a coworker of mine, and he's an avid cyclist. When I say avid cyclist, I mean he takes his bike every day to the office, even in the winter, even in Chicago. I can't think of a better person to talk to about this. Here's our conversation. It's the perfect city bike. I also have a road bike, a carbon fiber road bike, but that one only gets ridden on the weekends. Nice. So it's like a, a treat to, to go out on this carbon fiber bike? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If I could ride that one, if, if I felt comfortable riding that one to work and not worrying about, you know, damaging it or, you know, potholes and crappy roads and bad weather. Yeah, I'd ride that bike all the time. You've got a bike that's rugged and built for salty roads, potholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my, my beat-em-up. It's the workhorse bike. That's awesome. When I biked everywhere, and, and this was only for like one year because I started biking down Ashland and... It was the most terrifying moment of my life. Buses, <laughs> taxis. It was, I wasn't built for it, but I think I also didn't realize what I was doing because I was riding down Ashland. There's better places to ride. Any experienced rider would avoid that street. I feel like everyone's built for biking, but you have to learn which road. Some roads are just not bikeable, and Ashland is one of them. Yeah. I like, mean, yeah, you just, <laughs> you're asking for an accident. <laughs> lesson learned. I've seen the city transform from being like pretty hostile towards bikes, expecting bikes to only stick to certain roads or stick to the path to, you know, being a lot more accepting. There's a lot, there's so many more bike lanes than there were a decade ago. It makes the commute so much easier because your route is already pre-planned. You know, you know, the bike lanes that are the easiest, that are straightforward. There's going to be the least amount of interference from, you know, people and cars and whatnot. Now you can just Google map and check which lanes you can take the whole way. Before it was kind of trial and error. It's like, okay, I took this route yesterday. This I'm talking before bike lanes. I took this route yesterday and I almost got killed two times. So maybe I'll try this <laughs> this route. <laughs> maybe it's better at this hour. You know, it, it made it made things a lot easier. Taking records is great when when you're not trying to be at work, you know, or, or you're, you're not on like a, a time crunch or a deadline or anything. Like you don't have to be at work at the time because you can see a lot of parts of the city that you normally wouldn't see. But, you know, if you're trying to get to work before nine o'clock or whatnot, or you're trying to get home before rush hour starts, yeah, back roads are not the best route. I think one of the things I like about biking, you touched on right there, it's kind of nice to be able to take a meandering route. Like, it's the same with running, right? Yeah. When the goal isn't to get somewhere, some of the most fun you're going to have is taking those weird routes. So I can turn right here and I'll just see where it goes for a while before I turn back. And you end up in yeah. places you never would have seen before. Yeah, that 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 is one of the best, absolute best parts about one biking and two biking in the city because you, you discover so many little places like cool places to eat, cool places to get a drink. Yeah, you, you see, you can see neighborhoods like change before your eyes. It, it's it's really cool. I love that. Would do plows create space for you, or is it assumed that bikers are just not going to care as much, or there won't be as many in the winter? Wait, wait, say again. Sorry. Do plows clear bike bike lanes? No. <laughs> like for the most part, no. Through the loop, yes. Through, I don't know, on major streets, sometimes it's accessible. Sometimes, you know, like the concrete barriers, the protected bike lanes, they have, I don't know what those little poles are or the concrete barriers. Sometimes the plows literally can't get in. Oh, sure. So a lot of times 
I guess winter in Chicago is like a, it's a whole it's a whole nother conversation <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah, but a lot of times they don't clear the bike lanes; they just ice over, and you end up riding through the ruts. Sometimes you're lucky enough where you know the salt melts it down to the point, and there's been enough bike traffic that it, it's not that bad. But some bike lanes become totally inaccessible in the winter just because uh, the plows don't plow them, or that's where all the ice from their plow is getting pushed into. Sure. Yeah, so you find yourself taking the streets a lot more often or, or taking the path if, if that's available to you in the winter. How much time does that add? Your winter commute is probably significantly longer than your summer commute. Yeah, you're riding slower because you got more layers on. You're, you're avoiding ice, black ice, uh, unplowed streets. And when you got to go through one of those unplowed streets, you know, you're, driving, you're riding like three, four miles an hour, which is extremely slow. Uh, we could add like 10 to 15 minutes on any average commute. I guess I guess there's two questions that I'd love to to have answers for. One, is this something you'd recommend to someone looking to save money on their commute? You know, it depends on where they live. It depends on do they have an active lifestyle or do they want an active lifestyle? How far away is your work? And do you live in a place that's accepting of you know cyclists? Generally, I would say yes. I mean, if you can do it, definitely do it. But there, there's still a lot of factors you need to consider to make sure that it's right for you. Well, you you I wouldn't recommend it for. Like, who are those people? <laughs> if, if you live if you live 30 miles away from your office, <laughs> I probably wouldn't recommend it. If you live in a place, I don't know. There's there's a lot of smaller towns that are pretty hostile towards cyclists for whatever reason. If you know you live in one of those areas where the you know it's a two lane road and the motorist is going to have to either stay behind you or find a place to pass you, and you know that your streets are filled with people with short tempers, probably err inside a caution and just drive to work or whatever. <laughs> Obviously, you made this you made this choice because it sounds like you know you were used to a certain type of lifestyle. You were running every day. This was kind of the next best thing because well, you can't run, but you know you can bike three or four yeah. times as far <laughs> in about the same amount of time. What were some of the unexpected benefits? I mean, this is a frugal podcast. I was saving so much money <laughs> for one. <laughs> tell, I mean, tell me about that. Cause you said you noticed it after you started. What, how did you yeah. notice? Well, back then, you know, I was paying, I was putting money on my metric card back per month. I was saving over $50 a month on that alone right there. So it's $600 a year. When I first started biking, I was fresh out of grad school, and that's a significant amount of money for anybody fresh out of grad school. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could substitute uh, your commute for your lunch. That's a really yeah, good point. That's the biggest one. And naturally, you know, we're in the city, so we're not driving cars. It would have been a lot more in gas if my car was the only option. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's only counting gas, right? Yeah, not counting maintenance, like oil changes or whatnot, and Sure. When working downtown Chicago, parking. I mean, that's a huge one. I always forget about parking because it's just such a non-issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, frugal person, they're listening to this podcast. They're like, yeah, I've thought about biking to work. It seems like it's feasible. How do you find a cheap bike? <laughs> if it's your first bike, always buy used. There's no reason to buy a new bike. Even if it's your second bike, go for used. Craigslist is usually your best bet. So many people buy bikes and realize it's not for them and just want to get rid of it. You can find an easy, cheap bike and start the habit if you find out that it is for you then the larger bike brands have tiers of bikes and if you walk into any bike shop they can probably find one that fits your budget but definitely start off with craigslist craigslist is a good place to go what about style of bike what should you look for most people you know their first bike they usually go for a mountain bike only because mountain bikes have shocks and larger tires which makes the overall ride more comfortable it depends on where you live it depends on 
how serious you want to take it. The first bike, uh, I'd say something with, uh, you know, flat bars. So the riding position is more upright, something with larger tires. This isn't a time trial. This is not a crit race. You know, you're not racing. You're just <laughs> commuting to work and something with utility. So the ability to take racks, the, if you're starting off, obviously just comfort and utility. What about electric bikes and scooters? I've never tried an electric scooter. <laughs> I've never tried an electric bike. I know they have the electric divvies now. But uh, electric bikes are typically more expensive. They are much more convenient because you, you're using like one-tenth the amount of energy and you're going much faster than you normally would. Much more convenient, but they're gated by price at the moment. There's more and more brands, even non-bike brands that are creating electric bikes. So I feel like the price is going to come down eventually. But as your first bike, definitely would not recommend an electric bike. That makes sense. Yeah, start with... Start with a bike, find out if you like biking, and then if you find yourself getting tired and you don't want to work for it, that's the <laughs> the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're just rich, just, just Buy get both. the most expensive, just, yeah. <laughs> get the most expensive uh, electric bike out there. Buy a tandem electric bike, have a driver. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one with four wheels and windows. Yeah, and, and close it. I like that. Yeah. 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 A windshield, maybe like a bigger engine. I, they should come up You'd with something. You'd obviously like need that. a steering wheel to control that. Better. Well, I mean, clearly. And probably yeah. pedals to regulate the speed. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should call Elon Musk and see if he can invent something like that. An electric bike. I think we're onto something here. Yeah. <laughs> Man, let's talk about Divi. Have you used uh, bike share programs? I do not because I already have two bikes. <laughs> so it'll be redundant. Uh, but I, I do have a few friends who swear by it. Anytime I'm riding out and they want to meet me, they will pick up divvies and it's it's a good way to bridge that gap especially if you have um, groups of friends who want to enjoy biking but do not want to invest in biking as much as owning a real bike if they want to join me on a ride they will just pick up divvies and we will just ride along divvy routes you know where they can just swap out whenever the timer is up or however divvies work i like that idea a lot if you're interested in biking but you're not sure if it's for you i really like the idea that in a lot of cities you can rent a bike, take it out for an hour, take it out for two, and do that for a few days. It's what, like $3 a ride? Like It's really yeah. not super expensive. And regardless of the price, even if it was $10 a ride, it's a great deal less than buying a bike and then realizing you're not going to use it. Yeah, so yeah, it actually makes more sense to maybe start off with a Divi and then the Divi's didn't exist when I started biking. Yeah, it's right. It's a whole new world now. You're a year-round biker, so you've got kind of this unique perspective. Like you're willing to to undergo some pretty harsh conditions to bike to work during the winter in Chicago in February. Do you take days off? What do you do when there's a blizzard? I ride my bike. <laughs> <laughs> I just take a different route. <laughs> rain is just rain. You're just wet. It's not a big deal. Snow, naturally, we're in Chicago. Uh, I'll just take the Lakeshore path. There's there's so much I have so much biking equipment that I've accumulated over the years. So I have outfits that I can wear in any weather, and it's not really much of an issue. I mean, I, I'd want to say the biggest the biggest issue about uh, the weather is not necessarily the weather itself. It's how the city responds to the weather. Drivers are worse in the rain. Streets are worse in the snow. Riding when it's uh, when it's snowing, when it's raining in the summer, it's pretty enjoyable. Actually, it's like a good change of pace. If you're taking the path, you have to pass to yourself because there's no more runners. Only like the most hardcore runners are out there. In the summer, it's great because uh, when it rains on a hot day, it just feels nice. Plus, uh, you get the wind to your back. It, one of the ways, you're either going to have a pleasant ride there or back, one or the other. How do you make biking a cheap hobby? Secondhand. I mean, 
there's so much secondhand stuff out there. It starts off as a cheap hobby. And so therefore those hobbyists are also upgrading to more expensive bikes, more expensive equipment. And all that old stuff usually ends up on Craigslist or, or some sort of local market. So you can always just, just stay secondhand. You don't necessarily need the best bike to bike. A newer bike doesn't make you faster. It's your legs are what make you fast. So, What unexpected costs are there to biking? So there's a lot of maintenance that people don't think about because you see people, they'll ride their bikes into the ground because it, it takes a while before the bike gets to a point where you actually can't ride it because something went wrong mechanically with it. So like swapping chains, that's something you want to be cognizant of changing out. Then brake pads, they will wear down. And you will have to change those, but those are negligible, like under $20 usually. Flat tires are a thing. Uh, a patch kit can cost like 15 bucks, so it's better to learn how to patch your tires as opposed to constantly buying new tubes every time you get a flat. And again, learning how to change a tire by yourself, because taking if you don't know that, taking to the bike shop every single time, it can be like anywhere $15 to $20. It's another cost that people don't think about. So it's like the, the regular maintenance. But again, like regular maintenance is three to six months. So it's not often. When I think about bike maintenance, the first thing I think about is I can do pretty much anything on a bike, even if I've never done it before. I can Google it and feel pretty confident. I can, you know, swap out a tire. I've never replaced gears, but I'm pretty sure I could figure that out. With a car, much <laughs> less so. <laughs> the air conditioning out. All right, well... I guess I don't know air conditioning anymore. <laughs> That's just it. You can watch a YouTube video. And it's like, hmm. So I need a machine shop, first of all. How much does that cost? <laughs> yeah, if, if you if you have the uh, the motivation to do it, you can. You never need to visit a bike shop if you don't want to. You can just pick up the tools off of Amazon. They're really not that expensive. There's just so many, you know, proprietary different ones. But once you have a full set for your bike, then uh, the cost of maintenance significantly decreases, especially thanks to YouTube. YouTube will teach you how to fully strip and reassemble a bike. How how prevalent do you think DIY repairs are in the biking community? Well, a lot of people intentionally take their bike to the shop because they like to support their local bike shops. But it, it's pretty common. A lot of things are smaller fixes that, you know, it, it's more of a hassle to actually go to a bike shop to fix, you know, just actually getting there because naturally you don't have your bike to do it. You're sure. You your bike there. There's whole forums about it. There's entire YouTube channels. If you ever played with Legos or you're into crafts in any way or, or customizing things, you, you probably enjoy doing maintenance yourself anyways. You mentioned you kind of kitted out your bike. You know, you start with the 2008 bike and then you've added over the years the things that you've needed. The more you use something, the more you want to make it your own. Yeah. You figured out what you need and then invested in the things you value. Yeah. I, I bought the bike when it was on sale even. So oh, perfect. Was, yeah. It was a few hundred dollars off and... I mean, over the years, I put a lot into it, but it's as you said, it's as, as I realized I needed something, that's when I made a change. When you live in the city, it seems like sometimes it's more of a pain to have to figure out where to park, wherever you're going. Yeah. I remember when I first moved here, one of my friends, I caught a ride from with her from some other neighborhood to where she lived in Edgewater, and we drove around for a half an hour looking for a place <laughs> to park. I mean, that, that is, oh man, up there was the worst. When you have a car, you realize that it, it kind of dictates your life, even where you're going to live. I remember when we were up there, we didn't have a car, but uh, my dad came up once and it took him almost an hour to find a parking spot up there. Oh. 
So immediately when we decided that we were going to get a car, it was like, well, we have to find a place or a neighborhood where it's easy to park. Yeah. Your car is telling you where you're allowed to live. It's almost like having a kid or a pet. You need to build your, your life around <laughs> it. That's a good point. That's one of the benefits of a bike because, you know, you can get anywhere. You can park anywhere, pretty much. In almost any niche interest or, or hobby or sport, it's interesting to hear people talk about what's important to them, you know, especially yeah. as an outsider. It's like, I wouldn't have even thought, of course, like the size of your tires matters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, size of tires is one of the easiest changes you can make to a bike that causes, that, that creates the most significant change to the whole ride of the bike. What's the big first thing you should consider about bike tires? Well, bigger tires are just better. <laughs> they can handle uh, rougher terrain better. It's more comfortable. They generally have more grip. Smaller tires are more so if you're concerned about the weight of the bike. Pretty much if you're racing, I, I guess it's it's more in, in vogue or in fashion or whatever to have smaller tires for race bikes. But I, I prefer larger tires. And the bike industry nowadays, they're, most frames can accommodate pretty large tires since that's like the end thing right now. Of course, the first thing I think of when you say larger tires, I imagine those giant front wheel bikes with a tiny little back wheel. <laughs> and those can make a comeback. One day. Cars are expensive. One of the biggest parts of any budget is transportation. How do you get to your office? How do you get to your grocery store? How do you get to your doctor? How do you get to your family? By addressing this one part of the budget, we can find ways to live frugally. I like the idea of biking to the office. Even if I'm not quite on the same page of biking in Chicago snow just yet. Special thanks to Michael Ahini. H. Borkowski is our story editor. And I'm Jim Marcus. If you like frugal living, please share it with a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Frugal Living is brought to you by Brad's Deals, a team of proud consumer advocates who scour the internet every day for the best prices on, well, everything. That's B-R-A-D-S-D-E-A-L-S dot com. <laughs>